Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. And uh, today's show, of course, sponsored by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory. Best in pre-owned inventory and a great sales staff that will work with you. By the way, uh, you know, check out how much that trade-in's worth, by the way. All right? And a fabulous service department. It's all our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Right, a lot going on today. We're going to have Neil Kulong joining us on the show today. We'll talk about the Steelers, and we'll also uh, discuss with him the uh, Hall of Fame coming up. Steelers opener, of course, will take place uh, coming up on Thursday. So we're 48 hours away from that in the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys. It's going to be a very Steeler-centric Hall of Fame as well because of the combination of the Centennial class with the current class all being inducted on the same weekend. So it's going to be a big Steeler Nation weekend coming up. So we're looking forward to that. So uh, we'll get into that with Neil, along with some other conversation as well along the way. We're going to uh, also check in with our good friend Phil Steele on the show today as well. And we're going to revisit with Raven Sample today. Bucknell's own going to the Paralympics I'm going to revisit with Raven Sample on the show today, just in case you didn't hear it the first time, because uh, the Paralympics will be at the end of the month in Tokyo. And his story is not just a good story. It's a great story. And uh, I had a chance to talk to him last month, and I think it's well worth listening to again. I thought I found him to be engaging. I found him to be really articulate. And uh, I think just a lot of fun. And he does a great job of representing not just himself, but also Bucknell. Uh, so we'll hear from Raven Sample coming up in the uh, final half hour of the show today. And that's, you know, it's our, our, it may be the Paralympics, but we're looking at the Olympics in that regard. Now, along the way, it's interesting to see how people take advantage of their opportunity. Coming into the Olympics, Simone Biles was the story, the story, the story. We all know what has happened with Simone Biles. Okay, that's fine. Um, and I think everybody has been almost universal in their praise for how she has handled it. But it also means that when it happens, it opens the door for somebody else. Suni Lee took advantage of that and won the gold in the all-around. Jade Carey took advantage of that, won the gold in the, in the floor exercise. I think that's just marvelous that two athletes can step up like that and still reap their own gold when the opportunity presents itself. All right, we're going to talk with Dave Zagaro, look in on the Eagles and Neil Kulong next half hour. Great to have you with us as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
Welcome back. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right, uh, we'll check in with Neil Coolong and the Steelers in the Hall of Fame in the next half hour. This half hour, it is uh, Dave Zagaro, NBC Sports Philly. We'll start with the Eagles and then work our way west to Neil. And Dave, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so... Off to camp we go. Hi-ho, hi-ho. So after Jalen Hurts, which is the obvious answer, what are you going to look for? Yeah, that's the obvious answer. Uh, Next to me is the battle at left tackle. Uh, I know that offensive line doesn't get a lot of people excited, but this is a legitimate battle. I mean, this is – and it's – I mean, the storylines here are are a lot of fun. You have a former first-round pick who – a lot of people are already counting out who missed all of last season against a seventh-round pick who is, was a rugby player when the Eagles drafted him, has all the potential in the world. And that battle kind of feels like it's a battle not just for the left tackle job this year, but going forward. It, it kind of feels like whoever wins this job is the Eagles' left tackle. And there aren't many competitions, training camp battles that are really like that. So. For me, Andre Dillard versus Jordan Mailata is must-see every day. What do you need to see from Jalen Rager during the preseason? Because obviously last year as a first-round pick, it just wasn't a terrific year. So what do you want to see? Yeah, it wasn't. Um, I I think with, with Jalen Rager, a lot of it was mental. And, and that's not a knock on him. He's a young kid coming into right. a, a tough situation. But... Um, I think it can kind of go one of two ways with him. We know he reads stuff. We know he's active online and on Twitter, and he he knows what people are saying about him. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I know everyone's first initial reaction to that is block it out, don't listen to it. Some guys use it. And and I think for him it's really about channeling it the correct way. And if he can do that, then I I think he can make it a positive. And I just want to see him play looser. Last year – it just looked like he wasn't himself. He wasn't the dynamic, explosive player he was at TCU. It looked like he was kind of overthinking at times, and that happens a lot with young players where they're, they're thinking more than they're reacting, thinking more than they're allowing their ability to shine through. So some of this is also incumbent on the coaching staff to say, hey, we want to get this guy involved. We, we can do this, this, and this. And now Nick Sirianni has to look at it and figure out ways to get Jalen Rager involved. If that means a shallow crosser, so be it. If that means a wide receiver screen, just ways to get the ball in his hands and let him create, let him feel comfortable, I think that'll go a long way. So it's not all on Jalen Rager. I think most of it is. But the coaching staff can help him out a little bit more this year, too. You can grow into any job. Uh, Sometimes there's an adjustment period. Nick Sirianni has not been a head coach. What are some of the signs that you'll be looking for that he's really uh, into the job, understands the job, or the signs that it, there's some on-the-job training because he hasn't done it before? Yeah, I mean, I, I, some of those things we won't be able to see until the actual season begins. I mean, right. a big part of the head coach's responsibility is, is in-game management, and we really won't see that in the preseason because he's going to handle situations differently than he would in the regular season. But there are some things we'll see. I mean, and honestly, we've already seen some of them. 
you know, the uh, the high energy stuff that some people might have rolled their eyes at. It so far it seems like at least a lot of his veteran players are buying into that, and that's a big deal. I, I think that when you hear about how excitable he is, and you hear him at press conferences talk, and uh, obviously the first one that's a mulligan. But after that, I think people in the in the area have kind of really enjoyed hearing him talk because he is so excited and he has such a passion. From what I hear, that's really kind of translated to his team, and they feel it too. So I think that goes a long way, as long as he's authentic about it, to kind of taking command of the team. So far, so good there. Um, and you kind of have to separate a head coach into a lot of different facets because they're not just one thing. Uh, he's going to be calling plays, too, and we won't really know that until game day. But we'll see some of the offense, and we'll see his plan for for what the scheme looks like, and that's another big part of his job. So I, I think that by the end of training camp, we'll have a better sense of, of who he is as a head coach, but not the complete picture. Do you have a sense of his relationship with Jalen Hurts, or does that fall into what you just said we'll see by the end of camp? Yeah, I mean, so far, so good for that, honestly, from everything I've heard. Um, and, it, look, Jalen Hurts last year was forced into an offense, obviously a really awkward position, but he was in an offense that wasn't tailored to his strength. And that's the one thing we've heard from Nick Sirianni since he took the job, was that whoever the quarterback is, and, and whoever any, any of the players are, uh, the offense is going to be tailored around their, their skills. So... I'm excited for Jalen Hurts for that because I want to see what kind of offense Nick Sirianni has devised for him. And we can take certain hints from Indianapolis, mainly when Jacoby Brissett was their quarterback because he offered a little bit with his legs. And Andrew Luck to a certain extent, too. Uh, But there's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts. There's a lot to build on. There's a lot to, to kind of put into your offense because of what he brings. And I think he does obviously have some deficiencies and, and it's up to the head coach to try to hide those as well. So um, I think the relationship is off to a good start, but I want to see the football relationship now. I want to see what these two can do together in, in a, at least a practice setting and eventually in a game setting. Jalen Hurts has gone through, what, four games as a starter, some limited time in other games. So as we watch the first month to six weeks of the season. Jalen Hurts will be better if. Well, what will that be? Based on what you saw last year, where does he need to be better and something we should look for in the first six weeks? Yeah, and it's funny because the first thing I thought of wasn't even anything that he can control, but honestly, it starts if his offensive line stays upright. That'll help him out quite a bit. No question. That was kind of the the downfall of, of the offense last year in, in my estimation it wasn't I mean Carson certainly didn't play well and, and the receivers weren't good enough but when the offensive line started to get hurt that's really where things started to spiral Jalen Hurts himself uh, he, he needs to be a better thrower and I know that sounds like a, a pretty obvious thing he needs to be a better passer he needs to be more accurate and there were some factors that led to his accuracy issues last year I mean he was throwing the ball downfield quite a bit and he, and he had the same receivers Carson had that you know they weren't always running the Christmas routes they weren't always where they were supposed to be and I think all those things hurt him but Hurts has to be better he knows he has to be better even with all those factors you can't have a quarterback completing 52 percent of his passes you're not going to win like that Um, but it can be corrected we've seen quarterbacks 
have bad accuracy numbers and improve them. Heck, Carson did it. You know, even as good as his near MVP season was, the one thing he wanted to work on was the accuracy, and he improved it greatly in the next year. Josh Allen's another great example. Had some accuracy issues early in his career, really turned them around. So I think that these are correctable issues, and we'll see if he's put the work in and if the team around him allows him to do it. Yeah, my only issue on that, Dave, is simple. I mean, watching him in Alabama and Oklahoma, it's the same issue he's having now. He was not really a tremendously accurate quarterback uh, at either place, especially when he got some pressure on him. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see if he can correct that. I haven't asked you about the defense. So, on defense, must be better where? Uh, well, it must be better at that cornerback position, uh, yep. specifically the second cornerback. And, and the Eagles have addressed it finally, bringing in Steven Nelson. It's a big signing for a lot of reasons. And the first of which is that Steven Nelson is a clear upgrade at that position from Avante Maddox, who was playing out of position last year and, and wasn't very good at that spot, frankly. Uh, the other reason it's good is because it's going to push Maddox back into the nickel spot where I think he is much better suited. I think he's going to be a much better player at, at the at the slot and playing inside. He, obviously, the size lends itself to that, but also the type of player he is, I think he's just a better inside corner. And then Zach McPherson, the rookie fourth-round pick, they'll be able to bring him along slower because chances are they're going to need him at some point based on the injuries we've seen in the secondary over the last few years. So, um, there are a lot of reasons that I really like the Steven Nelson signing. A lot of reasons it made sense for a couple months. So them getting that done is a pretty big boost if they go to the training camp. Yeah, I like Zach. Uh, you know, because he was he was here for a couple of years, and the, the only reason he ended up going to Texas Tech was because of a numbers game here. I mean, it's just the, the mm-hmm. numbers were so great, the upward mobility wasn't there and I you know and I was thrilled to see the Eagles pick him. You're gonna you're gonna like him. He's a great guy to talk to deal with. Uh yeah. okay. In the preseason when they play the three preseason games, you and I both know it's just a mixed bag. Uh, but what will be the anything that you're looking for, maybe a guy as to whether he can make the team or somebody who might get cut or just is there what is there anything in those three three preseason games that you'll look for, even loosely, so you feel like it was productive? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the preseason games will show some of that. Honestly, the joint practices, to me, are, Agreed. I'd argue, more important than the Agreed. preseason games. Because if you want to see how someone responds in the red zone in a practice, you can put them in the red zone, or you don't have to wait for a situation yeah. to unfold. But the preseason games will be a part of the evaluation and uh, there is something different about playing a game as opposed to practice. There are some guys who kind of flip a switch and they're just different um, in a game than in practice. So I think it gives more opportunities for some of those players to show out and that's a good thing and I think, you know, some players thrive. You know, if you think about it just in a generic sense, if you have some bruising running back who runs between the tackles, that, that can be an important player, but he's not going to get to show his stuff even in a, a joint practice. Even if you go full pads, tackle to the ground for a session, you're not getting that in in practice. So I, I still think the preseason games are a valuable part of the evaluation. 
I don't know how long we're going to stick at three games. I think eventually we're probably going to push it down to two, but I still think there, there is value in having them. And I think the Eagles will find the value in that. I, I think that actual competition, uh, as much as we laugh about preseason games, I, I still think there's value in it. Dave, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. You guys take care. Dave Zagaro, NBC Sports Philly on the Eagles, going to go west to Neil Kulong. It's an interesting week coming up for the Steelers. They have the Hall of Fame game two days from now when they take on the Dallas Cowboys in Canton, which is the debut for Najee Harris, the debut for Pat Fryermuth. Uh, we'll talk to him about that. Also about the Hall of Fame class, which between the centennial class and the current class is a very heavy Steeler class. I'll talk to Neil about that in the next half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Time to welcome in not just the Sultan of SWAT, but the Sultan of Pigskin. That would be Neil Kulong. Sir, welcome. It's great to be here as always. Thanks for having me. So the first preseason game, it's the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys coming up. Uh, let me take you back years ago. How much did you look forward years ago in your youth to the opening preseason game and how different, if at all, is your attitude today? I, I'll be honest with you. This is one of the, the, the least profitable traits that I have, but I will get you fired up about preseason football. I, I love preseason football and really, it's more August is like kind of the, the, the transition month. You know, you're, you're just starting to lean into fall a little bit. You get that feel of, of new football coming back. It's been a long time uh, since you've, you've watched, you know, actual pad on pad uh, organized activity and the opportunity to be able to see that uh, live or in person, it, it's something new and it just kind of marks the beginning of, of a great season. You know, I think fall is a lot of fun um, in our culture and the beginning of football, I think is, is a large part of that. Um, I, I enjoyed 
uh, preseason action when I was a kid because I probably didn't know the difference. You know, all these guys are, are awesome, and every single one of them is going to be a pro bowler. Uh, to some degree, I've dialed that down a little bit, <laughs> probably yeah. in my, my uh, older years. But I really enjoy seeing uh, the preseason for what it really is. It, it, it's the lower-end roster guys getting an opportunity to go out there and play, uh, as, as Mike Tomlin would say, under the light, um, in, in the stadium atmosphere, and put on display what they can do, what they've been working on, and what we've seen of them as far as like the free agents go. Uh, what we've heard about them, you know, as far as like the undrafted free agents go, the rookies, um, getting a chance to kind of see all that come together on the field. It, it, to me, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I just, I like watching that level of football. I think it, it's exciting uh, in the sense of what it could be, what they might use this player for. Um, I know that it's not real. I mean, it really is just kind of a, a, a very loosely simulated uh, practice. But I, I enjoy the activity. I enjoy kind of the hype that comes with it. It fits in well with the time of the year. I, Thursday, getting a primetime game uh, before what's going to be basically a, a, a Steelers worship weekend. Um, I'm excited <laughs> for it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it will be that. It's interesting because uh, over the years, I've watched less and less and less of preseason football. This week, there's baseball. There's the Olympics. But I'll be honest with you, Neil, Thursday night, I'm going to be tuned into Fox at least for the first quarter plus to watch some of the game because I'm actually anxious to see the NFL or football, just football in general, come back. Yeah, I don't think we should discount that at all either. I mean, the first quarter ratings in that game, I think, are going to be a lot higher than people think that it will. Um, Going a, a, a year without preseason at all, I think there are plenty of casual fans that probably didn't really miss it, didn't really think much about it, but... I think everybody kind of looks at the schedule and says, hey, there's a game on. That's going to be kind of fun. They'll tune into the beginning of it like they do because they know that the starters are going to play, you know, maybe seven snaps, if that. Um, you want to take a look at the new guys, you know, Najee Harris, that type, and, and kind of see what they look like in uniform if you haven't had a chance to, to really dive into it yet. Um, and people will tune in. I think there will be a sense of excitement about it. Um, and then probably a lot of them will turn it off and, and find something else to do. But um, it, for me, it, it's it's fun for the majority of the time. It gets kind of dull by the end. Uh, you're not really it, it, this this kind of bleeds into the Pro Bowl mentality. I call it the, the Pro Bowl in the NFL doesn't really work all that well because football is not a game that can be played without stakes. Right. You know, it's not a game you go out and play for fun. Certainly not at that level. Um, it needs to be intense. It needs to be. You know, pretty heated. And by the fourth quarter, you don't really have that same feeling anymore. But it, it, the beginning parts of the game, um, getting through the, the the second string guys, kind of seeing what they're bringing. Um, you know, younger players, uh, the rookies coming in to, to see what they can do. There, there are a lot of things I think people will want to watch at, at a Steelers level. But generally speaking, I think fans will want to tune in just because it, it's part of a ritual that they didn't get last year. You know, I, I think that has a, a significant mental effect right. on uh, what happened for the season. It really just didn't feel like all that exciting of a season for a while. And I think where we are now, uh, people want to believe that, that this is, you know, much more normal than it was last year. And that, that'll be a welcome change. Exactly. And that's going to be a welcome change. Uh, what about the weekend? Because it, 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 it is essentially a Steeler Fest coming up this weekend. Uh, in so many ways. Um, what's your thought on what happened? It's going to be a very heavy Pittsburgh class. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's two years in the making. There's another thing, too, that the build up for that. Right. I think people, to some degree, 
uh, might have missed that as a, a, a changing of the tide. You know, it, it's it's going from one season to another. Uh, we've gotten used to the idea of the Hall of Fame uh, weekend kind of kicking everything off. You know, training camp began, but this is really sort of the official kick into August, the beginning of football. Um, not having that last year when it was a pretty pro Steelers class and backing it up with another pro Steelers class, putting both of those together. Um, the ratings of that in Pittsburgh are going to be outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. People are, people are going to tune in for sure. And it, I think it's a great cross section of a, a, a dynastic era in Pittsburgh in the 1970s, as well as uh, kind of a mini dynasty of what you got in the, the 90s, 2000s, that era uh, with, with those Steelers teams. Um, putting players from both of that together, and then those players, by and large, selecting a, another representative of um, the, the, the Steelers franchise, the Steelers family, makes it even more fun as far as their, their introductions. I mean, uh, Art Rudy's going to be presenting uh, Bill Cowher, um, <laughs> Dick LeBeau's presenting Troy Polamalu, Heinz Ward's presenting Alan Fanica. I mean, the, people are, are going to get into that. They're going to be very excited about the idea that um, they're they're going to hear inside stuff in a very formal, honorary way. And these are, are legends of the game, in my opinion. You couldn't have a Hall of Fame without Troy Polamalu. I thought Alan Fanta could serve to be in a while ago. Uh, he finally gets in now. Donnie Shell is a player that people have been screaming about getting in for 20 years. Yeah. Um, to, to see all levels of this in different eras, in different positions, different players, it, it, it's, it brings out a sense of pride. Uh, for for the whole franchise, and it's a franchise that's worth praising, you know, for what they've been able to accomplish and the the players who have gone through there. I think it, it's it's definitely a, an exciting thing uh, for fans to tune into. And I think to be fair, um, the hall tends to, to kind of I don't I'm not saying they do this intentionally, but they're not blind either. If they put in four Cowboys in the same year, it's going to be a Cowboys weekend. Sure. And as a football fan, I think that's kind of fun too. You get to see and hear about all these other things that happen inside these these great teams uh, from the past, and honoring the players who I don't know of a Hall of Famer who doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. So there, there's always good stories behind how they got there, what happened while they were there. Um, it, it's it's a lot of fun for you know football purists, football junkies, and that's really kind of their target audience. I mean, if you're not into it, you're not into it. That's fine, but uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun when you have. Um, heavy involvement emotionally in it. And I think that's what we get this weekend. I always laugh when I hear, uh, he doesn't belong in. Like, what do you mean he doesn't belong in? He didn't rush for 12 yards. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, there, there are far more players yeah. who deserve to be in than there are frauds inside the Hall yeah, of Fame I, I right agree. now. I mean, yes, eras change. Um, expectations change. I mean, you, you know, you're you're not going to be able to compete. The, the receivers in 1970 are not going to be able to compete no. the ones today. That, that's that, that's no. evolution of the game. But at the time, these guys were the best at what they did, and you you can see the evolution of it in that. I think that's really interesting. You know, it, it, when you have guys that uh, uh, Lance Allworth, for example, absolute first ballot surefire <laughs> Hall of Fame that's from the right. era, he doesn't compete at all with the guys today. <laughs> but the game drastically changed. Yeah. So you, you have to take that into account, and, and with that. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I, I, I really enjoy, you and I have, have great Hall of Fame discussions. I really enjoy uh, that, that compare and contrast, that argument of who belongs in and who doesn't. There, there's a lot to go over and there's a lot to discuss. You really need to know a lot uh, from a lot of different eras within the NFL to, to make those arguments. And it, it's, it's enjoyable to me every year to see kind of how that all comes together. I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, 
Hall of Fame comparison, one that's in, one that's out. Years ago, um, Ira Miller uh, popped into the the broadcast booth. I think I think we we're at Wisconsin, someplace like that, Neil. And Ira at one, at this point was a Hall of Fame voter, and uh, and he asked Jack about. He says, "Look, you competed against Ray Guy. Should Ray Guy be in?" And Jack waxed poetic that Ray Guy should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame because Ira the vote was coming up. And he says, you know, he says, Peter King, and you, and you know how far back I go with Peter. Um, he says, Peter King was touting Gerald Wilson and says, Gerald Wilson has better numbers. Now, if you sit down and actually look at it, and I remember Gerald Wilson punting. Gerald Wilson, Peter's not incorrect. <laughs> I mean, Peter is correct. Gerald actually does have better numbers. But you really have to know all that stuff and the nuances when it comes to picking guys as to why one guy's in and one guy is still on, on the outside looking in, that's how tough these discussions get. Yeah, it's not even something that you can say is is devoid of subjectivity. I mean, you almost have to, and that's kind of the point, too. That That's why you have multiple voters. And a guy like Peter King, for as much flack as he gets, um, he... He will take you through the process. That's it's right. A great column every year. The, That's the right. Post vote analysis that he gives, and he explains it. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I don't agree with everything that he says. There's a lot of it I don't agree with, but it, I understand he, he. The fact that he would even know who Gerald Wilson is, you know, that in and of itself, I guarantee yeah. you, ninety eight percent of football fans have no idea who Gerald Wilson is. He, he wore number how he, he compares he, to Ray Guy. He wore but number forty four. The <laughs> argument is, well, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. It, it's it. <laughs> oh, good. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, to, to put all of that together, to be able to make those arguments generally and comparatively, I, I think it, it requires a, a certain passionate devotion to it. And those are the people I think that it should be leading uh, how that vote um, is incorporated. Now, every year there, there's going to be controversies. You know, Leroy Butler, for example, is a good one for me right now. Right. It, it's really hard to put Steve Atwater in the Hall of Fame if Butler isn't going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's exactly so right. So looking yep. at, at things like that, it, it creates um, intrigue for the next year. You know, then then what are we going to talk about the next year? How does the conversation shift? The safety position changed fundamentally in the NFL with Ed Reed and Troy Polamalu. No doubt. Both of those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. They're, they're getting in. They're in. Um, now what do we do with those other era safeties, which are really kind of at the end? Um, you put Brian Dawkins in without much of a problem. Right. Now you've gone back and corrected what I think is kind of a wrong with Steve Atwater. I think he belongs in there as well. Uh, Butler absolutely belongs in. Yep. If, if that's the comparison now, Butler belongs in there. So when when will Leroy Butler get in the Hall of Fame? Um, I, I bet Peter King would have a far better argument to that than I would, and I can't remember off the top of my head if he is in support of, of Butler or not, but I'd imagine he will be um, because it's, it, you know, you really don't have a specific reason to keep him out now. Uh, it, it, it's fluid, you know, it connects from year to year. And I, I just think that the debate of that is really interesting, um, especially when every single year you get a guy like Donnie Shell, all of a sudden now he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, where did that come from? And last year, what they, they hoped to do with the, um, I forget what, what uh, anniversary they're honoring as far as the NFL goes, but they put in both Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson. Right. Um, that's a that's a whole other ball of wax. It's really right. difficult to to uh, it's it, it's difficult to compare coaches, uh, especially in in this era. Um, if Cowher and Johnson are in, 
which perhaps it's not a coincidence that both of them are uh, national commentators on the rights holders of the NFL right now. Why isn't Mike Shanahan in the offense? <laughs> right. Um, he, he, he can go back to a lot of different coaches then if that's the case. Uh, you got Tom Flores in, which yep. is probably overdue, but that opens the door for a lot of other people. So yep. add that into the mix. You need to change the rules of the Hall of Fame and, and how you're selecting the, the contributors to it. Um, it it's it's always, always interesting. To me, I really enjoy it. Um, the, the selection night is one of my favorite nights of the year as far as who's getting in and uh, the discussion that comes with that and to see all of that kind of culminate in uh, the, the inauguration night, I think it's great. All right, so now let's get to um, the actual Steelers of 2021. I know a lot of fans are going to be really anxious to watch 88 play. That's Patrick Fryermuth. Um, and they, they're anxious to watch Najee Harris play. Got that. So when you look at the roster and you see the late-round guys and a couple of free agents, are there a couple of guys that you're interested in to see if they belong or not? Um, there always are. I mean, I, I think that the obvious one for, for most, I think, would be Kendrick Green. Um, but usually for me, in, in cases like that, where I want to see how this guy fits in, I also want to look at the guys who are behind him. Um, J.C. Hassenauer, uh, a kid that grew up around where I'm from in, in Minneapolis. Right. I'm, I'm curious to see with the reps that he's getting at guard. Uh, do they see him as kind of that that swing interior lineman? And it just for for me, I guess more than anything, it's it, it's a remarkable story. I think he already has more NFL staff than he had in college. You don't see guys like that <laughs> even coming from Alabama. It, it's not common to see uh, a, a player play less in college than he does in the NFL. And there are certain you know, mitigating circumstances that led to that for half an hour. But um, I'm, I'm curious to see if he can kind of rise above. He got thrown into the fire last year. I'm not sure how well he did with that. But a uh, young player, um, not the, the physically you know, imposing guy that you would think of uh, when you think of an interior offensive lineman in the NFL. But uh, they have reason to like him. So they, they bring in Green to start. But what does that do for half an hour? The fact that they are moving him to guard, uh, giving him the opportunity to show a way he can make that team. Uh, what does that say, perhaps, about B.J. Finney? What does it say about, um, how about this, perhaps more than anything, the fact that you have a 16-player practice squad and they're going to allow two players uh, within 48 hours of, of kickoff to be moved up to the roster for a 55-man roster. Right. A guy like Hour can, can make a team because of that, or at the very least be on the practice squad and get a game check um, to, to get called up. So there, there are a lot more positional battle this year, I think, than there have ever been, including last year, where it, it used to be the biggest there ever was. So you put all that together, I, I, I want to see Green um, in, in action, but more of what they're going to do with the rest of that interior offensive line um, beyond the, the Trey Turner signing. What are they doing for depth? This is a team that, uh, for a long time there, they had Ramon Foster, they had David DeCastro, they're our stalwart veteran players. And any competition was always the backup. And the backup was a guy that it almost seemed like by, by design, they worked him out at five different positions at some point. Because what can happen? Uh, Chris Hubbard, out of nowhere, has to fill in for Marcus Gilbert. Chris right. Hubbard gets a big contract. He's replaced by Matt Filer, who does a great job. Yep. They need Filer to, to go from right tackle to left guard out of nowhere. Wherever that came from, he tells me, I don't know if he's, he's high as the best as a guard, to be honest with you, but... 
Um, he did fairly well. He's a, a multi-position guy who wasn't drafted. He stuck around on, on three practice squads uh, before getting paid by the, the Chargers, where he is now. They've, they've been developing guys like this. So I'm, for me, I'm kind of curious uh, what that depth is like on the offensive line because I'm not entirely sure how great the starters are. So it, it makes me wonder, uh, what, what are the plans for the backup? What are they going to do if one of these guys mm-hmm. goes down? Um, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? I mean, it, I, I'm not sure there are any of them who are so valuable at this point, um, with the exception of, of maybe Turner, that they definitely can't do anything uh, if that player isn't in there. I think they have a lot of younger, hungry guys that are, are fighting for a roster spot. And with the Steelers, uh, recently, over the last seven, eight years, uh, a backup offensive lineman on that team is a future starter. If not there, then in the NFL. There are a bunch of them. Uh, a bunch of, of guys that came through the Steelers practice squad or, or uh, deep reserves who ended up playing elsewhere in the NFL and getting paid pretty well to do it. Neil, always a pleasure, sir. Definitely. It's always great to be here. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong, always great to have him on every week here on the show. Looking forward to being out at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club tomorrow for the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament. Show will be out there. We'll be out on the patio tomorrow. Come on out and join us. Great to see everybody come on by. I mean, I can't wait to see everybody. Looking forward to it. See Adam Purdy, Steve Engel, um, Bonnie, and the entire great crew at the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. Uh, Matt will be out there tomorrow. Uh, Just a quick warning uh, for insurance purposes, since it is the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, the suit will be out there. So if you'd like to get a little extra insurance before you go out there, because you just know know what hole he's on and what hole you might be on. I mean, you could be in 11. He could be over there playing 14. The ball still could come in your direction. Just thought I'd point that out. The suit. Just turned 50. Yeah. And here's the 50 more. I thought that was the right thing to say. But it's going to be tomorrow. We can't wait to be at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club tomorrow. This is something I look forward to every single year. Oh, so much fun. Today's show, and Tom Ertz and the game will be out there. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com as we continue on News Radio 1070, WKOK.